And for our friends that are online, we're so grateful you're here with us, whether it is live with us, maybe you're joining us later on today, maybe you're jumping on this week, or you're with us on the podcast. We're so grateful that you're here. We welcome you to, uh, to be involved with communion together with us uh, towards the end of the service. So if you haven't done so already, make sure to grab some bread or some crackers and some juice and uh, receive communion with us together. So those are the big things that are happening, and we are excited to have you with us this morning. Pull me in closer, close to your heart. May I be a pure reflection of all you are. Love that is patient. Love that That keeps no offenses or wrongs in mind. Make me like Jesus. Make me like Jesus. Yeah. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way.
is, is your life, my life, our lives, our lives together in community, as a church, as a community, are incredibly complex, aren't they? But know this, that God is with you. God is with me in the journey. That even the things that look like they're the thing that might do us in or end the journey or end the pursuit. And no matter what stage of life we're at as well, I would say this. God has something amazing planned. The in enemy, fact, can somebody say it to who you're sitting with? God has something amazing planned. Look them eyeball to eyeball. God has something God has amazing something planned. Amazing planned. Right so now. true. <laughs> yeah. And the enemy would like nothing better than for any of us just to give up to throw our hands in the air, and to say that's it. Um, I love the quote there uh, that Jobs uses, essentially just saying, you know, someday we'll be right that it'll be the last day of our life. I love also the end of that where he says, stay hungry. To stay hungry for the life that God created each one of us for. How important is that? And how many times, perhaps, have you wanted to give up on that in some way or another over the last few years, maybe? Maybe the last few months, where you've been discouraged, you've been worn out, you've seen things happen in your life or in the lives of others, where you felt like, this is just it, it's too much. A long time ago, I heard a quote, and I've said it before here, that if something is not worth dying for, then it's not worth living for. Now, we all live moments in our lives that are filled with what we would all call mundane things, but when it comes to the kind of the, uh, the movement of our life, where our life is headed, if our life isn't moving in a way where we're living for the thing that is worth dying for, then what would it be worth living for? So, the way Jesus would put it is, there's nothing worth investing your life or mine in Accept the kingdom of God. However that connects to your unique life, my unique life, and then the lives of all of us together as a local church. That's what our lives are about. That's kind of what the journey is about. And that's how we outlive our lives. Exactly. Right? Is as we're, in, we're, we're participating and co-participating with God, mm -hmm. we set ourselves up to outlive our lives. Yeah, Sila. I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday um, about this principle of connecting the dots. We weren't using that terminology, but how many of you here in the room or perhaps online um, have looked back on your life and you've had these significant things that happened, and when they happened, you didn't know how it was going to help propel you into what has happened in your life now. Claire and I were talking this morning uh, for instance, about early in our marriage, there were several times where I, I got laid off for long periods of time. Like time. the day we got home from our honeymoon yeah. and the day we brought Sarah home from the hospital. Exactly. That it, was interesting. Yeah, it wasn't feeling like, it really, honestly, wasn't a at the moment, in the midst of it, wasn't feeling like, man, God's really in the midst of this, <laughs> right? Uh, we just brought a newborn baby home and I just had a, you know, the encouragement of my employer to stay home a little bit longer. I didn't feel like this was a dot, but in hindsight, we know it was a dot. We know, for instance, when Claire, now in hindsight, uh, was diagnosed with MS, that that would be a significant moment in our life. And now we look back on it as a profound dot in the journey, a place in the journey where God changed things in our lives. We literally moved into new ways of living because of that. When it happened, didn't look so great. And so it is in your life as well, all of our lives, and so it is uh, in our journey as a church together. Mm -hmm. So one of the quotes, if you live each day as if it were your last one day, you'll certainly be right. And we want to take you even into these Ebenezer's expectations and anticipations around your gifts, your people, and your dreams. Does that sound good? Yes. Right? Your gifts, your people, and your dreams. We are in a predicament, and it's only as we co-participate with God 
can we find ourselves moving in the direction of a beloved community. In predicaments, sometimes we can move in and away, right, uh, for too long. I mean, sometimes we have to go inside, check out the interior stuff, even as, as Jess said, you know, drop out of your head and your, you know, your thoughts and move into your heart and experience life in those ways. But then sometimes we keep moving away. And, and we keep um, the gift of co-participation with God and other people out of sight. So this wonderful way that Samuel taught us, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shea, and he named it Ebenezer. Go ahead, let's say it again, Ebenezer. Ebenezer. It was great because we had somebody that has been in church all her life last week sent us a note and said, I've sung that song all my life, I've been in church all my life, and I had no idea what an Ebenezer was. But it is a great word. Don't you love it? Ebenezer was a character in a Charles Dickens movie, right? Or <laughs> novel. Anyway, go ahead. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. And <laughs> I guess he didn't do a movie. But go ahead. <laughs> but your point? My point is that might have been what she thought Ebenezer was. Oh, I don't know. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I thought you I were going to come up with some brilliant... No, I didn't have anything brilliant. I was just... Actually, it was. it's panning out as something really not brilliant at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll return to the Ebenezer here Okay, in the sorry. Sorry to break the <laughs> holiness of the moment. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, thus far. Can we read this part together? Thus, thus far, far, the, the Lord, Lord has helped us. us. So I want us to pause at the very beginning here and reflect... Last week, we talked about how God had helped us, and some of us wrote on stones how God had helped. I'd like to ask, and how have I helped thus far? If there's a co-participation going on between God and us, God, I don't know why God did it this way, but God decided that God wanted human beings to be a part of what God was doing on the earth. And so this idea of And how have I helped? Is there an Ebenezer that I could raise that say, I showed up, God. I showed up for you there. I I wanted to show up for you there. And maybe I didn't. And now I might want to say, and what, you know, what might I want to do about that? What might God and I want to do about that? We're going to take you back to the week where Kelly Kastens was with us and talked about New Beginnings. And she said, in China, when Mao came into power, the church numbered about 2 million people. In an attempt to obliterate Christianity and all religion from China, Mao banished foreign missionaries, assumed all church property, killed or imprisoned church leaders, and banned public meetings of Christians. It was one of the cruelest persecutions of Christians in history. In the early 80s, outside church leaders were finally allowed back into China under strict supervision. And you know some of them. We won't say their names out loud because I don't know how safe that would be, but you've had them on this platform telling you stories. They expected to find the church decimated and the disciples as weak and battered people. Instead, they discovered that the church had flourished with an estimated 60 million Christians. And by 2030, some estimate that China will have more Christians than any country in the world. So I've kind of made Chairman Mao a footnote now. You know, he starts out really big. It looks like he's going to stop the church of Christ. And now we realize that because of how Mao persecuted the Christians and put... Christians under, you know, lock and key, and there was this, you know, you can't meet together, and all of those things, and then look what happened. So can you stop God? I think not. I think one of the things that we want to pay attention to is that there are times where we've helped, and there's times where we've hurt the cause of Christ. There's times when I've showed up, and there are times when I have not showed up. And then I realize, oh, God, I, I want to raise an Ebenezer that says, I helped. I showed up. So here's one of our favorite poet, prayer masters, um, Reverend Ted Loader. And I want to read to you one of the most favorite of our prayers that he wrote. 
God of history and my heart, so much has happened during these whirlwind days. I've known death and birth. I've been brave. I've been scared. I've been hurt, and I've helped. I've hurt, and I've helped. I've been honest. I've lied. I've been with people. I've been lonely. I've been loyal. I've betrayed. I've decided. I've waffled. I've laughed, and I've cried. You know my frail heart and my frayed history. And now another day begins. Oh God, help me believe in new beginnings. And in my beginning again, no matter how often I've failed before, help me to make new beginnings, to begin going out of my weary mind into fresh dreams, daring to make my own bold tracks in a land of now, to begin forgiving, and may I experience mercy, to begin questioning the unquestionable that I may know truth, to begin disciplining that I may create beauty, to begin sacrificing that I may accomplish justice, to begin wearing glasses on a regular basis, <laughs> to begin risking that I may make peace, to begin loving that I might realize joy. Help me to be a beginning for others, to be a singer for the songless, a storyteller for the aimless, a befriender of the friendless, to become a beginning of hope for the despairing, of assurance for the doubting, of reconciliation for the divided to become a beginning of freedom for the oppressed, of comfort for the sorrowing, and of friendship for the forgotten, to become a beginning of beauty for the forlorn, of sweetness for the soured, of gentleness for the angry, of wholeness for the broken, of peace for the frightened and violent of the earth. Help me believe in beginnings, to make a beginning, to be a beginning, so that I may not just grow old, but grow new each and every day of this wild, amazing life you've called me to live with the passion of Jesus Christ. Amen. So another pause and reflect. How have I helped thus far? And how do I want to help? Just raise a little Ebenezer and remember a moment during these times where you've helped. We know you've hurt, too just like us. But pause for a minute to remember a time you've helped move the, the message of Christ into the world. And just let that get large on the inside of you. Even if you think it was small, like the person who lit our candles to start the day and turned on the lights on your table, how have you helped to move the message of Christ on this day and in this past year? Let it get big. Amen. Now, in the early church, in the book of Acts, which is kind of the action of the church as it comes together, it's a beautiful picture of people from various opinions and lifestyles and different backgrounds coming together around the cause of Christ. And new beginnings all over the place. Exactly. It's just one big new beginning. And there's this beautiful, um, there's this beautiful term that recurs in the book of Acts 11 times. It's actually only used 12 times in the whole of scripture. In the Greek, it's the word homothumadon. And that word uh, simply means 
it's kind of a broken up in two pieces word. In our language, it would be rushing along together. And you see it, maybe you've read it. In one it. accord. In one accord is, is probably the most common way that it's used uh, in the scripture, in the scriptures that we read. So you see this over and over, that they come together in one accord. And they understand that in order for them to live the full life that God called them to individually and corporately, that it took they took unity and movement together. And as you read that, it's easy to think, well, somehow this group had unity that, that they brought into the mix before they got together. But that wasn't the truth at all. Or that God as did a, it all by God's own grace. Exactly. Right? But as a matter of fact, there's actually a lot of disagreement that they have <laughs> around a lot of different things. And that's part of what they're working out in the book of Acts, right? So can you say, amen, me too? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And even in this day, and one of the things the enemy picks up on really clearly, you see it in the activity in the book of Acts and in the history of the church, and even in present day, is the enemy trying to break down the unity of the church. And also this, and I love uh, Claire using the, the Chairman Mao in China as an example, is the tendency in our humanity is to back off and to kind of shelter in place and not be so concerned about connecting with one another, whereas God's got a different plan where we come together in one accord, home with Thumadon, that we would be together, and then amazing things start happening. I mean, when you read through the book of Acts, there's things like they can't agree on how they should eat. Right. They, they can't agree on uh, <laughs> circumcision, no circumcision. Masks, no masks. <laughs> exactly. Gentiles, no Gentiles. Like, <laughs> who's allowed in, who's not allowed in. Mm-hmm. And there's all this friction. And all along, God is drawing them together. One of my favorite scriptures uh, in the book of Acts, and it uses this term, uh, homothumadon. Um, I'm going to read it to you. We don't have it in the outline here, but it says this. It says, so this is after the day of Pentecost, which is the first time you see, or actually the second time you see in the book of Acts this term. They were in one accord. They were in one accord in the upper room, and that's when the Holy Spirit shows up, right? And then amazing things start to happen. Multiplied people come to Christ. All kinds of miracles start happening immediately. And this is later on in the book of Acts chapter 2. And this is, this is profound. And their agreement is around God's kingdom and God's kingdom work on the earth and in themselves. And this is what it says, speaking of the believers, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and Many, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all people. Now consider that a minute. That is such a a powerful statement that they enjoyed the favor of all people, not just the people that liked them, all people. All people began to notice that they were moving along in one accord, that there was agreement that went deeper than some of the superficial things that everybody deals with, right? And people were recognizing their generosity of spirit and the goodness. And this is, it goes on, it says, They broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were rushing along together in unison around God's kingdom coming into their lives and into the earth. And not around dogma, right. not around theology, not around anything but Christ. Right. Their agreement, their unison was around God's kingdom and God's kingdom work in them and on the earth. It's so true. You know, it's interesting for those of you that um, are familiar with investing, like like um, you, if you read like Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett will talk about how when, um, you know, this is just a big generalization, when everybody's getting out and everybody's kind of freaking out uh, in whether it's stock market or investments, 
That's when people that really have resources and understand what to do, that's when they rush in because they see it as a tremendous opportunity, right? Now that's just principles that you could say somehow are connected to, to biblical principles or not. That's just that on the surface. What, what I think we need to pay attention to is the amazing opportunity spiritually in the season that we're in. Mm-hmm. Now, like for instance, maybe all of us in this room and the, everyone online, maybe we've all at least thought that, boy, has this been such a hard season for our kids? Oh my it's God. just like hard. And we may not know all the details of that, but I think we would all agree this has just been so hard for our kids, right? We don't want to give you all the stats on mental health and all of the things that are happening, but our teachers in the room, right, Amanda, you could have conversations and just say, our kids, the teachers know that our kids have, they have weathered the hardest season. And I, I can't help but be hopeful that they will be like the greatest generation, Right, Just like, right. you know, my dad's years during the Depression and, you know, World War II. Like, they, they were growing up to be the greatest generation. Not that they were the greatest generation. My dad was the greatest. I don't really know <laughs> about other people, but my dad. So I just think about that. I think about what could possibly happen, Arshon, for your students, because you keep showing up mm-hmm. for them when they have gone through the hardest season in their lives. So, I, yeah, we, we have an opportunity instead of, you know, saying, look, can't take all the crazy anymore. Yeah, I, I think we need to be in. honest. Yeah, we need to be honest with, and it's, it's the natural tendency of humanity that we would step back I mean, we, we, like, the teachers don't have any, and you could, I'm talking about the kids, we're talking about the kids, but you could talk about a lot of different oh, areas yeah, pastors, right now. It's being called it's the like, great resignation. More pastors have retired and quit during this season than at any, any other time, and they're not getting replaced, by right. the way. And, and psychotherapists, like, they cannot hear one more story. We need the power of God in our mm-hmm. lives to keep showing up. Exactly. You know, as the people of God, we desperately need help. And, and not just from God, but the co-participation of people mm-hmm. that go up to McKenna and say, I know it's hard for you to teach a bunch of kindergartners with snot-nosed stuff coming out, right? I know it's hard right now. And, and I, we just want to say, we want to show up for each other, mm-hmm. right? And bring the good news of Christ, that God will help us. Yeah, show up for our kids. And we will show up and help. Right. We'll have an Ebenezer saying, here's how Lexi showed up. She -hmm. told me today, I teach in kids' church one week, and then I come up here and help lead worship another. Now, don't tell me her neuropathways aren't getting formed to be an awesome human her whole life, right? Like, she is showing up, Mm -hmm. and that just gives me hope. Yeah, so let me read that scripture again. Can you guys say hope? hope? I need a little hope. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, hope. So let me read that scripture again. And even as Claire told us to kind of consider personally how we're engaging, how we're bringing things like our volunteerism, mm-hmm. how we're bringing, how we are leaning in when our humanity is wanting us to pull away, mm-hmm. how we're applying faith, how we're being more generous of spirit. How people are talking about us. Like, they're awesome. Look at them. They're showing up. Right. Right? So how are we responding? Now, understand this, that in the book of Acts, when you're reading this scripture or you're reading some other scriptures, they weren't going through a pandemic necessarily, but they were going through a lot of other turmoil and difficulty. And it's in the midst of that that they lean in. And it says, and everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold possessions and goods. They gave to people that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. Or at McDonald's or at... Right. Grand River or at Malleable, you know. Keep with breaking with bread glad together. and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number mm-hmm. daily. They devoted themselves to teaching, the scripture says. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They leaned in. Now, all of us have been on bad teams. 
And all of us have been on good teams, right? Maybe I not think, sports teams, some of yeah, us Yeah, not necessarily sports that. teams, but we've all been on teams. You're on teams. We're, we're on different teams throughout our life. We've been on good ones. We've been on bad ones. Anybody have a good team they can think of right now? Good group of people you work mm-hmm. with, like you really felt that? Anybody think about a difficult team that you've been on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I went through a variety of different lists of the greatest teams and some characteristics, and you might want to write these down or type these into your phone, but I think that these connect directly with what God's invitation is to us individually and as a team, as a church, as a people, to make a difference in the world right now. The greatest teams are adaptable. They can make changes on the run, right? The greatest nice teams. Nice job, Don, with the kick. The exactly. kick, right? You know what I'm saying? Adaptable. Let's hear it for Don's adaptability. <laughs> the greatest teams are collaborative. Tell me that the world wouldn't pay attention to somebody collaborating. <laughs> right. Right, now, right? The greatest teams are committed. The greatest teams are communicative. The greatest teams are dependable. The greatest teams are competent. The greatest teams are enlarging. In other words, as individuals, they make other people better. Everyone around great teams becomes better because they're a part of the team. Great teams are enthusiastic. Great teams are intentional. And intentional Mm. at the most small level that I remember a professor of Claire and I when we were going through uh, Bible school he said that at one point he was teaching in a he was a professor at a Bible college and he threw a piece of paper in the hallway and because he had this student that was saying what do I need to do to become a pastor and he says well watch this and he threw this paper and the students you know were kind of moving about and the paper just sat there and ever all the students kind some of ended up in class it, some right? people but yeah and he said what'll make a good pastor of you is if you pay attention and pick up the paper it's like we want to we want to change the world but we don't want to pick up the paper be intentional about even the smallest things it, uh, the greatest teams are big picture. They see the purpose that they're driven by. So in other words, in the church, we should be kingdom. The, the church is about God's kingdom coming in our lives mm-hmm. and to the earth, right? As it is It's in not heaven. about who's got the biggest church. It's not about who's got the most money. It's not about who's got the flashiest ministry. It is about God's kingdom being imparted into everyone's lives that anyone can that's a part of that can can part of that team uh can add to can pick up the paper the greatest teams are prepared the greatest teams are relational we just read it in the book of acts they met together they broke bread they laughed together they cried together people were noticing the way they cared for one another The greatest teams are always improving. The greatest teams are selfless. In other words, they're generous of spirit. And the greatest teams are tenacious. That even in the midst of suffering, they just keep going. I I remember when I played sports as as a high schooler and joking around with my brother Sean, and um, we would talk about wanting whoever we were defending when we played basketball, or in his case, football, whoever we were defending, we wanted them to smell our bad breath. And that was a way of us saying that each of us had bad breath. That was one <laughs> thing we were saying. But that we wanted the, the person that we were guarding to know that to our own hurt, we were going to be tenacious and we were going to make sure that it was going to be a hard day or night for them to compete. Now, that was sports. What does that look like spiritually? What does tenacity look like for Crossroads Mm -hmm. Church and Ministries? Mm -hmm. And what does tenacity look like for your life and mine? Yeah. And when we consider the fact that there are ways that we can 
begin to intentionally take a look at how we participated in Homothumadon this past year. How did we participate in rushing along together as a congregation, as the body of Christ, as the capital C church? How did we do that? I want to, come on, can we just get, let's do a little internal, in, you know, inventory. Like, how was I a part of the kingdom of God? Um, when we think about what we, you know, what do I have to offer? What do I want to offer? Where am I volunteering? Where am I rushing along in unison? I think about if Jesus were relying on us, like Jesus relied on the people in China to grow that, to grow the kingdom of God, like, you know, I, I want to be challenged to say, how am I creating a reputation for Christ in the way I work with you? You know, in the way I work with you, in the way I rush along with you. How is the reputation of Jesus growing in the world because of our connection. So we're going to invite you to just stand together as we take communion. And we're going to participate in these ways. Um, We're going to go ahead and take your communion stuff off. We're going to ask our friends who are going to come and lead prayers of the people to come. We have a father-son team today that's going to lead us. And... um, so just have your communion ready so that right after we're, we're praying, um, we want to take communion together. Come right on up, guys. One of you here and one here. And then for those of you who, those of um, the folks that don't know you, will you guys introduce yourselves and, and, uh, and then lead us right there? Yeah. Uh, I'm Neil Anderson. This is Milani. Hey. Good morning. I'm uh, Jeff Anderson. So this morning, I about to leave, didn't grab my glasses, had no plans on doing this, and then something told me, go back in the house and get your glasses, you might need them. <laughs> and then Claire asked me to do this. So here we go. So if you never want to lead prayers of the people, leave your glasses home. <laughs> all right. O maker of all mystery, of winds that blow and planets that rotate so that the sun appears to rise in the east. We pray that we would be open to wonder, curiosity, and love. Move on our hearts that we would be excited about the redemption and the reconciliation and the salvation you bring to all of your creation. Let Let us us be be transformed by by the beauty and wonder of of your love. Holy Spirit, comforter of our souls, encourage us, our family, and our friends who experience anxiety, depression, and those who have lost a sense of goodwill. We pray that you would bring peace to the minds and bodies of those who are troubled today, especially. We ask for your spirit to guide our world leaders. May they welcome your wisdom to lead us in the ways of peace and health. We pray especially for for our president, We pray for unity in the body of Christ. Forgive us for the ways we have missed the mark, been divisive, and lost the ability to keep the main thing, the main thing. May the hardships we've endured lead us to renewal and revival. Let us us be be transformed by the the beauty beauty and wonder wonder of of your your love. love. Oh God, let each of us have the creativity of children. And let our children never be ashamed for having the heart and mind of one who dreams of beauty and a better world. Let us remember to come to Christ as a child. Let us us be be transformed by the beauty and wonder of your love. Let us breathe deeply, bring us peace, and in this silence may we experience the wonder, the joy, the peace, and the forgiveness that we receive from you. Father, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Just take a deep breath. 
take a few. And let the peace and the forgiveness that we need come. Take another breath. And together. In you, O oh God, we receive faith, hope, and love. Let us be transformed by the beauty and wonder of your love. Amen. Amen and amen. Thanks, guys. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, amen and amen. Nothing better than the sound of a young person's amen. So together we hold the bread. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, gave thanks, and said, Take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body, broken for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And together we say, Jesus... We remember you. And after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup and he said, This is the cup of my blood shed for each one. This is the remembrance of the new covenant given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So as we take the cup, just receive God's love and forgiveness into your life and for the lives of those around you. say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And God, we pray that all week long that we would remember, that we would remember you, that we would remember the hope that is within us, and that we would participate with one another in all the ways you're asking us, in all the ways you're inviting us. And with that, we're just going to invite you again. There are stones at your table and a marker. And if you could write down a way you've helped to bring the message of Christ this year, just write it down, one of the ways, on one side. And then on the other, just listen for the invitation of where God is inviting you to do that this year. Every burning star, a single fire of 
chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. All the hill you created, the light of the world, abandon the darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. our friends in the name of love. We bless our friends in the name of surrender, the name of forgiveness, the name of hope. We bless our friends this week, God, with the reality of participating, co-participating with every part of our lives to bring the message of Christ. Love you guys. Go be blessed, guys. Have a great week.